This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, everything's in flux this week from the Bills schedule to travel departure. I mean, they're playing on a Saturday on Christmas Eve. And then obviously with the weather and the situation happening not only in Chicago, but in Western New York, Travel there, travel back, the game itself. It's all been really a lot of speculation. And now at least we know some things that we can talk about here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Welcome in Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550, and Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 Sports Director in Buffalo. Well, Matt, um, this has really thrown everybody for some sort of loop, some sort of chaos, if you will, including you. I mean, you're not even going to be able to necessarily even get to Chicago for this game. No, we pulled the plug and I appreciate the managers at channel seven for kind of even reaching out initially before I even had to. And they basically just told me like, listen, this is your call, but we don't want you to miss Christmas. We don't want you to be stuck in Chicago by yourself with bad weather for a game that's, you know, being played on Christmas Eve. It's just, there are so many different hurdles that you would have to jump over to get out there. Now it's obviously a little bit different for you because you're going to be on the charter, but for commercial travel in and out of Buffalo this weekend, we're recording this really early Thursday morning. I turned on the local news this morning. The airports were insane. The amount of people who moved their flights from yesterday Uh or Saturday until today, because they thought this was kind of, the last way of getting out were mind boggling, but it's not just one side. It's not just getting out of Buffalo. It's getting out of Buffalo and getting into Chicago where right now it's bad. And then getting back to Buffalo and commercially, there's one flight that can be made on Saturday night after the game. It's a seven o'clock flight. So it's already a tight turn for a noon game. And and there's no, like guarantee that's going to do it and make that's it. what I'm I mean, saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. The weather is going to be so bad. And by the way, when we say today and tomorrow, just so everybody knows we're talking on Thursday morning, Matt and I mm-hmm. were doing this podcast on Thursday morning. When we say today, we're referring to Thursday because the bills are going to leave Thursday evening. Now we'll get to that in a second. That's the other part. So even if you decided 
that you were going to be able to drive, let's say, because of the flight situation, there's no guarantee you get back. Um, you could have three-way closures. You could maybe yeah. get all the way to Pennsylvania, and then, sorry, you're not going anywhere. Get to Erie. You know what's funny? You know how we always talk about how sometimes like good coaches have to sit down their players to protect them from themselves, and yeah. it sounds like such yeah. like a foreign concept to all of us regular humans. I kind of feel like that's how my bosses had to treat me this week because – I think I was ready to do kind of any means necessary to get to Chicago, but right. they were just like, don't like, please don't like, yeah. we don't want you to be stuck in an airport by yourself on Christmas. Uh, this is not a pity party for anybody, but you know, we, the bills played a game on uh, Halloween this year. They played a game on Thanksgiving this year. They're going to be playing a game the day after New Year's, and we're going to be traveling on New Year's this year. So there's a lot of holidays that have been affected by the bill schedule. So for me, I'm going, I don't even really have any plans because I don't know what the weather's going to be like back in Buffalo. I may just be stuck in my house, sitting on my couch, watching the game. And then if the players are available on Zoom after, I'll hop onto the Zoom calls. If not, I'll be, you know, following all of you guys to see what everybody says. And I'm wondering what it looks like just being in Chicago for a whole day. We're nowhere to go basically because of the weather, because I will be with the traveling party with the team, obviously on the charter where we'll get in on late on Thursday night and then Friday all day. Normally we'd be traveling on Friday for a Saturday game. Mm-hmm. And basically I'm going to have to find things to do, uh, watch some movies, go work out, do things like that because Chicago's not going to be basically a bustling city on Friday with the weather that's coming there either. No, it's going to be challenging. And, and with the team, by the way, my assumption is they'll do like a walkthrough in the hotel. You know, I think that's basically what they'll probably have to do on Friday. I had some nice little Chicago plans too. I've got a good friend of mine who lives in Chicago. I was going to visit him. Um, I was going to do a, I was going to have dinner. Friday night, the night before the game. Now it's not Christmas Eve, but you know, the feast of the seven fishes, a very Italian thing. There was a restaurant in Chicago that had that as an option. So a couple of us were going to go and get that for dinner. So there was going to be, you know, it was going to be a nice little time getting ready for the Christmas Eve day, Christmas Eve day game. But now that's all out the window. It's been, you've covered the team longer than I have. This is my eighth season covering the team. I started in 2014. And I don't remember anything like this. I don't remember anything. The COVID year was completely different because of the circumstances, but weather impacting like the season, you had the game already get moved to Cleveland. You have this game where the team has to fly out earlier. You have the game last week where all week we heard about what's the weather going to be like, what's going to happen. Then it ultimately wasn't even that bad until the end of the game. It just feels like every week there's been one of these kind of layers to it. There have been very few just nice controlled weather settings that the bills have played in this year. And then getting back, like you said, could be a challenge even for the charter for players, for staff. Um, I know that I've spoken to meteorologists who said, yeah, that, that could be challenging, but you know, it's the NFL and hopefully they'll (laughs) pull some magic and say, we're getting back regular scheduled time and getting back everybody back home. So that's Christmas Eve. And I'd like to be here before Santa arrives at my house. Let's just say that, you know, that'd be nice. I have a nine-year-old and I'd like to be here with him on Christmas Eve. And like you said, it's not a pity party. We have a great job. We have great jobs, great lives. We do things that, you know, are, are, are awesome. And a lot of people would love to do not complaining at all, but in these challenging situations where humans like anybody else, we're wondering what it looks like for us, what it looks like for our family. We have to keep everybody updated. Um, and then obviously I'll be in Chicago, Matt, 
I'll be thinking of everybody back here because it will be a big storm could have some power outages, things like that. So we just want everybody to stay safe and be prepared for all that stuff. I am terrified, but cautiously optimistic because we bought our house in 2019 and our house has a built-in generator and knock on wood. We have not needed the built-in generator at any point. I have a feeling this weekend I'm going to find out if the mm. built-in generator works or not. Now, how would you I know? If I don't know, if the power goes out and everything turns back on. It's not like a there's not like a switch. I don't know what a built-in no. generator is. No, a built-in generator is like it almost looks like an air conditioner. It's off the back of my house and it's okay. basically when you lose power, there's probably five or 10 seconds. And then all of a sudden everything is supposed to turn back on and you're supposed to be then running off of the generator. And it's not like you got to go out there and gas it up or plug it in or do anything. It's just set up. So the woman who owns the house was older. So I think for a lot of people, once you've gotten to, you know, that point where you can't just run outside, gas up a generator, like everybody does in the winter storms, these built-in generators are the best option. So it feels like with the winds, the bitter cold temperatures, the snow, there's going to be a lot of places in Western New York impacted. And up to this point, we have not lost power for more than like five seconds. So if we do lose power, I think I'm going to find out pretty quick if that built-in generator (laughs) actually works. (laughs) Matt, I bought a generator when I was in Florida because of hurricanes, Mm -hmm. bought it in the it's early 2000s, I guess, somewhere between yeah. five and 10. Mm-hmm. It's here in my house. I've never even taken it out of the box. And I'm, I'm no, I don't even know like how to use it or if I should. And I'm like, should I do that this weekend before I leave or my family? Like, and I feel like a chump because of that, but I've never had to use it for any reason. I think that's one of those reverse psychology moments where because you've never taken it out of the box, we've never needed it and that you've never needed it. And that's a good thing. It's like getting up at the restaurant when you're waiting for your food to go to the bathroom and then you come back and your food's already there. It's like that. It's like, if you take it out of the box, we're going to just get absolutely pelted with a storm where everybody loses power. So just keep it snowed away in the box. All right, good. I'll keep it snowed away and hopefully everything's okay with everybody here. All right. Well, look, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the weather, but it is football related. Obviously we don't know, um, you know, what the travel situation is going to look like logistically. There are plans obviously in place. The bills have altered. They're going to go to Chicago on Thursday evening, hopefully get back on time. There is a game Saturday in Chicago, 1 PM Eastern, 12 PM, uh, central time. And they are calling for it to possibly be the coldest home game in bears history. At least one of them, we're talking wind chills well below zero. We're talking a high temperature of like eight degrees, but winds whipping at like 25, 30 miles an hour. And even even more maybe during the game and gusting. So let's talk about that, what that all looks like here. And it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Matt, if this was a cleanly played game with weather in a dome uh, just uh, in September and nice weather, uh, we could definitely kind of dissect this game back and forth. And we'll do that. But I just think this is the ultimate equalizer. It's not even the cold. The cold matters. Mm -hmm. It's the wind that really can be an equalizer. Look at no further than last year, the Patriots coming to Buffalo and throw the ball three times. I mean, they had to drastically change game plans for that. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think scares me a little bit about this matchup for the bills. And it's not because the bills aren't a better team than the bears. The bears have lost a lot of games in a row, but the bears can run the ball. And when you take the elements into play, it's going to be some sloppy football. And the things that the bears are good at are Justin Fields scrambling and making things happen. And David Montgomery running the football. So I think that that kind of is going to keep this game closer than it should be. I think if it was like you said, played in Tampa, played in Detroit, heck, even, well, no, not Buffalo this weekend, but just played anywhere else that's not getting hit with this winter storm, the Bills would win pretty comfortably. But I don't know if that's going to be the case because of everything that's going on. And we should at least mention, it's not just this game that's getting impacted. It's the entire Northeast Great Lakes corridor, basically um, the Midwest, the Great Lakes area, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, all of these games have ha- are having challenges here, including the Saints also saying they're going to Cleveland on Thursday because of the travel situation in Cleveland. So it's not just Buffalo, whereas like in November when the Bills game had to be moved, it was this national story around the country. The story this week is all of these games and what's going to happen. And I, I do think, though, to draw back on the Patriots game last year, we talked with Ken Dorsey about this earlier this week, mentioned it with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. It seemed to me it was a really interesting conversation, Matt. The Bills learned even more about Josh Allen and what he can do in that Patriots game against the wind because as much as you might think, oh, yeah, you have Josh Allen, you could play. I don't think you really know until you see it. They went into that Patriots game with the wind last year on the Monday night, and Ken Dorsey said basically the game plan was, well, we're going to have to run the ball and we're going to have to use bigger people. As the game went on, they started throwing a little bit and said, wait a minute, we have Josh Allen. We can throw the ball a little bit here. And he threw the ball well in the wind. And I, I think that experience will be very, very beneficial for the Buffalo Bills in this particular game. I almost think in that game, they regretted not doing that early. Agreed. I think that I think that they were too cautious with the wind in that game and they were too adamant on trying to run the ball. And then all of a sudden when they got down and they had to throw, that's when their offense started to move down the field and have a little bit of success. I think at that, in that game, I remember correctly, I think it was 14, 10 and Josh got them all the way down the field. And then they didn't convert on a third down and they elected to kick. And it was only like a 35 or 40 yarder and bass missed it because the wind was crazy. And then you wondered like, okay, should they have went for it? But you could justify why they tried to kick it. So they started to move the ball. Well, a lot of it also depends on what the wind is doing. If it's a crosswind, that sure. makes things much more difficult if you're out in the field. But if it's like a very distinct north-south wind, at least fields direction-wise, okay, 
Sometimes you're thrown into the wind. Sometimes you've got the wind at your back and you've got to be able to adjust. But if there's anybody who's able to do it, it's him because one, he's got the strongest arm in the NFL. And two, that's what it's like in Orchard Park. That's what he deals with in OP. There's a lot of games where you're throwing into the wind for one quarter and then it switches and then you've got the wind at your back for another quarter. So I think it's going to be difficult. I think that even somebody as talented as him will struggle to manage those conditions, but I think he's capable of doing it more so, especially than the guy on the other side, Justin Fields. And that's not a knock on him. It's just Justin Fields doesn't have the arm talent that Josh has, at least not yet. He does have the leg talent, obviously. So yeah. one of the best runners in the league, I mean, regardless of position, uh, he is dynamic. He can make plays on the ground and they're getting Khalil Herbert back, by the way. And he has been a really like efficient runner for them. You look at some of the, you know, um, advanced stats, you know, running back stats and rushing yardage and things like that. Uh, Herbert's done a very good job for them. Now they add him into the mix coming off a game where, you know, Matt, they're going to take a look. The bears are, they're going to take a look at what the dolphins did against the bills, the way they were able to have success on the ground. And in some way they're going to try and replicate that. Now, not many teams have had a lot of success this year against the bills on the ground, a little bit leaky in the fourth quarter against the jets, obviously in the game up there where they lost, but mostly the jet, the bills have been very, very good against the run this year. It did not uh, work out as well against the Miami Dolphins. What does that look like for you? Do you think that, um, are you a little concerned about the Bills run defense against Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert and the Bears rushing attack? And a little, a little bit, but what I'm more concerned about is their recent struggles with tackling. It's not even just in the run right. game. I'm just talking yeah. about the Bills in a weather game you need to be able to make your tackles and that's going to hurt the, by the way. That, that's what I mean. It's going to hurt. It's going to be yeah. tough. It's going to be cold, but they missed way too many tackles. Like I think about that long run that Mostert had, was that in the first or second quarter of the dolphins game? Uh, first quarter, first quarter, there were like four missed tackles on just that play. And I think about Khalil Herbert coming back. He's kind of, you know, the fire and ice compared to David Montgomery. You've got like different style running backs. I think that they can beat you a lot of different ways, whether David Montgomery is running it right up the gut or Khalil Herbert is trying to hit the edge. But what I'm worried about is not the scheme, not the game plan, but the missed tackles because it has not been, it's not a one-off. It's not like it just happened against the Dolphins. It has been a problem really all year. Now, the one thing that I say the Bills will have an advantage over is I think they're a really good team when you can just try and focus on one thing and eliminate that. So I think for the Bills, their focus this week should be not letting Justin Fields lose his mind and extend plays and, you know, just beat them with his legs, kind of like they've tried to treat Lamar over the years. And then also making sure that there's an emphasis on stopping the run against the dolphins. You really can't do that because the dolphins could beat you over the top with those guys like Waddle and Hill. I don't really think there's anybody out wide. that's going to terrify you for the bears. So that's why I do think you can have a bigger emphasis on, okay, maybe just having a spy on Justin Fields, making sure that whenever they run, maybe this is a game where we see AJ Klein a lot more. Maybe this is a game where, Taron isn't on the field a ton because you don't think that they're going to be passing the ball that much. So, and if they're, and honestly, I know Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, he posted something last week. Did you see his thing about running the ball at Taron Johnson? Yes. And the way they did it, I actually think we actually talked about this on the actual game broadcast, what was going on that I think the Dolphins actually did exactly what Dan Orlovsky said, which is here's what they did. They use motion and Orlovsky broke this down even before the game and how teams were doing this. They use motion. The dolphins did 
to get a linebacker out of the Bills play zone defense. So a linebacker would shift over because of the motion and that would bring Taron Johnson closer to the box. And now you're running against Taron Johnson instead of a linebacker, Matt Milano, maybe let's say, and you have a much bigger size advantage. I, I do think they did that. The bills never really adjusted, but I'm going to tell you this, Matt, I think the bills kind of invited that. They said, look, do you want to run like that? That's fine because we're not going to let Hill and Waddle beat us. I think the Bills did the same thing against the Chiefs back in 2020 in the COVID year when they came here in that rescheduled game when they said, we're not going to let Patrick Mahomes beat us. And he didn't. The problem was the Chiefs ran for 230-something yards on the Bills. If you're going to do that, you just have to tackle better. And as you said a little while ago, the tackling was atrocious in the game. I think the Bills actually said, we don't care. You can run against a light box, but you're not going to throw on us. They just have to be better at tackling if they're going to do that. And I think this week could be the opposite. This week could be, okay, AJ Klein, you're going to get a bunch of 100%. work. And I mean, Cole Komet, is he their yes. best receiving option? Right. Well, Chase Claypool's hurt too. That, so, and yeah, I mean, Cole Komet's a big dude. I don't know exactly how big he is, but he's a big dude. So that would be a matchup that you would like somebody who's more athletic. Maybe we even see Saran get some of those snaps because he can kind of be the hybrid between what Taron is and what AJ Klein is. But I do think that this will be one of those weeks where maybe the Taron snap count is lower and that's not a knock on him either. That's not like that. He's playing poorly or anything. It's just kind of game plan specific. Right. And it seems like when they know a team is going to run a lot, that's when AJ Klein has been on the field. All right. That brings us to the offense. Let's talk about that and then get into a couple other little details here, Matt. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for downloading, subscribing. We've been with you all season. We're going to be here through the postseason. The Bills are going to the postseason. They clinched a playoff berth last week with the victory over the Miami Dolphins. So make sure you subscribe to us. Throw us a nice rating. We appreciate that. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod. On the offense, do you expect Cole Beasley to have an uptick from the 11 snaps he had? Obviously, again, with the caveat of weather in this game, but kind of what does that look like for you as far as Cole Beasley and his usage in this offense? 11 snaps last week, one target. I do. I think that there's going to be more snaps for a couple of reasons. The first one being just another week of familiarity with a new offensive coordinator, kind of getting his feet wet. And second, if the weather isn't great, I think they want some kind of short intermediate options for Josh to throw the ball. So he doesn't have to try and extend the play and stretch the field a ton. And I think Cole Beasley is their best option there. So I think that there will be more snaps for him. I don't think that it's going to be a insane. I don't think he's going to have, you know, 10 catches or anything like that, but I can see this being a game where Cole has three or four catches for like 35 yards, kind of like a old school Cole Beasley game. Maybe just not quite the level of production that we've seen in the past. Yeah. And look, he seemed like he was moving fine. There was only one target, but I mean, so far through one week, you know, getting a guy back here who hasn't played in a while, um, you know, doesn't seem like it's been an issue. So hopefully they can continue to wrap him up and get him to the point where they feel a lot more comfortable putting him on the field a little bit more. What I found interesting was, and we, we kind of discussed this on the last pod was that it really didn't impact Isaiah McKenzie's usage at all. So that's going to be the interesting part is what does that look like with the entire wide receiver group? If Cole Beasley does play a little bit more, uh, we talked about Josh Allen and his ability to throw the ball. Hey, look, Josh is going to be a runner in this game too. I think Matt, I think that's got to come into play uh, just like it did, you know, last year around this time. And then the playoffs with this weather, we talk about Justin Fields, Josh Allen becomes a weapon with his legs. Yeah, he does. It's funny. This might be the only week that he will play where he isn't the better 
mobile quarterback. I mean, earlier in the year, you could say the same thing about Lamar, but mm-hmm. Justin Fields, that is his specialty right now is getting out of the pocket, extending plays. It is nice to have that though, especially in moments like this. Now you don't ever want to overdo it. You don't want to put Josh in a position where he's running too much or he's taking too many hits or anything like that. That's always been a hot topic here in Buffalo, but it's nice, especially if it's going to be 30, 40 mile an hour gusts and it's going to be freezing. It's nice to have a guy who's 18 feet tall and just a <laughs> built like a actual Buffalo. That's what Mina Kimes always says. She's like, how did the bills get a quarterback? Who's actually just a Buffalo. And it feels like that's perfect for Josh Allen. Uh, that, that's great. Uh, also, did you see the, um, the intersection of Clark and Kent in Buffalo? I did. That was really cool. It's cool. Yeah. I love that they keep doing that. There's a intersection, Clark and Kent. And of course, that is Superman's alter ego. So where it actually intersects on the street sign in Buffalo, there is a, I don't know, what do you call it? Not a statue. What would you call it? A, a sign. Uh, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a Josh Allen sign. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and he's Superman. He's wearing yeah. the cape. I don't know. Who, I don't know. I believe there's a company who printed out the sign. I don't know the company name off the top of my head. I believe it's an Adam Ziegler from the Buffalo News cartoon that he drew. And it is from the play, the two-point conversion in the fourth quarter. where He jumped over the top. So the cartoon was him jumping over the top of the line with the cape on. So then somebody took that and then put that over the intersection of Clark and Ken's. Now that's just the most recent situation where this has happened. We had Josh leaping and Josh hurtling over the hurdle Avenue sign. And it was the cutout of him from the game against the chiefs this season. So, and then you had Josh Allentown last year, that sign was there. Yep. So yeah, this is, uh, (laughs) it's become kind of a thing here in Buffalo. All right. Did you get any grief for your horrible take about bacon? No, I actually get a lot of praise. I get a lot of people. I get a lot of people talking about my bravery and just how somebody needed to be a voice for the voiceless. No, I, I, no, I, I did not see it that way. I saw people saying basically that what is wrong with you? How could you not like bacon? So it's funny you bring it up. I went over to a coworker's house for something to eat. I and think they had was, only bacon for you. I think this was on Tuesday night and they were making <laughs> burgers. Okay. So I had to, they live in the city and I had to do the six o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news. So I All went right. over and had something quick to eat with them. And then I went back to my station and they had bacon on the burgers and they were like, do you want bacon? And before I could even say something, they basically were like, I know the answer to that from Twitter and your take is outrageous. And I was like, I, I don't think my take is outrageous at all. I think that bacon is overrated. And then a couple of people also messaged me like, oh, you haven't had our bacon or you haven't had this kind oh. of bacon. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of different kinds of bacon, but it's a two-part take. Sausage is better than bacon and bacon is overrated. That does not mean bacon is bad. I still like bacon. It just means that I'm not going out of my way to have things with bacon on it. Well, I got a little grief for saying that I would take a sausage link on the go. All right. So, but that was my, <laughs> that was my I, shameful I, take, I, I guess. I was trying to be nice when you were talking. I was like, I have hey, no idea. I was I'm, like, in, I, I'm in a hurry sometimes. And if I have a sausage link and I got to go and I don't want to, and I got to, I want to finish that piece of sausage. I'm, I'm taking it with me. What is your favorite, like on the go food? Like if you oh. have to be going somewhere, like what is your favorite 
I guess if you were driving down transit, okay, like one of, or Niagara Falls Boulevard, one of those roads where you have every option available to you. Okay. And you're like driving and you've got Max with you and you're in a rush. Like, what are you getting? What are you stopping for? This is easy, actually, for me. Because if I have Max with me, especially makes it easy because I can just grab him something. I'm getting a, from the value menu, the McChicken. It's like a buck 50 for a nice McChicken and bam, I'm, I'm off, baby. Let's go. Do you, um, and I can just get him some nuggets or something. Okay. Have you ever done the McChicken combined with the double cheeseburger and put them into one sandwich? I have not, I, but I'm not a big cheese eater. Sorry, everybody. It's just more of a lactose thing. Um, but, uh, not that, I, and I don't really love cheese. I will eat cheese. like a pizza and stuff like that. But no, to answer your question, that's just, that's, I want to explain why I also have not done that partly, but I also never would think of that. Yeah. That was like a thing when I was in college, there's a name that I'm not allowed to say on a podcast of what people call that sandwich. If you're listening oh, and you know, okay. you know, um, mm-hmm. but it's delicious. I also agree. I think a McChicken is a really good, quick option. I mean, they're yeah. de- they're delicious. They're they're probably just terrible for you, but they're delicious. I think that I've kind of become because I've been very outspoken. I love there's a fast casual chain Mexican restaurant where you can make burritos and burrito bowls that I've been very outspoken about my love for. But you can't eat that on a go. That's like impossible. And then Chick Fil A. I mean, Chick Fil A is great. But there's not that many options, like at least on the places that I said. I think there's a Chick Fil A on. There's transit. a new one near the stadium now, though. There is a new one near the stadium. It was difficult. So they had Chick Fil A at practice on Wednesday, and I mean, you were there, you knew. Um, it was difficult. I tried to not really eat anything because every year for Christmas, one of my best friend's dads takes us out for like a dinner at Texas Day Brazil. In like the Brazilian steakhouse. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to like not really eat anything because I knew I was going to totally be get it. a lot at Texas. But then you saw the Chick-fil-A there. So what I did, I thought I was responsible. I just had some Chick-fil-A salad and I just took a couple nuggets and put it on the top. So it was like a little chicken salad, but it was hard to watch like all of the spicy <laughs> McChickens sit there and be or not spicy McChickens, the spicy chicken sandwiches and be like, wow, like those look good. Those look good. I mean, this is coming from a guy. We had Chick-fil-A at my wedding. That was our late night snack was at the end of the night. We had, I think, I think it was 225 Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches delivered. And they all sat there on this big table. And so, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a thing. We, we like Chick-fil-A. Let's wrap up here. I want to ask you about the, um, and we could talk about the Pro Bowl selections. Oh yeah. That's fun. Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs and Mitch Morse from the offensive side for Morse first pro bowl. Good for him. Congratulations. Jordan Poyer, believe it or not, his first pro bowl. He's been snubbed the last few years. Um, I don't know why Matt Milano's not on this list. I think it's criminal. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the biggest gripe I have. I don't like to gripe too much about pro bowl selections. I mean, it's voting all pro means more. I think Matt Milano has a legit look at all pro Jordan Poyer last year did not make the pro bowl and was an all pro. Um, I think that could be Matt Milano this year, but that's my only gripe. Otherwise, good for Mitch Morris. And then the other three, obviously, not saying Mitch Morris isn't deserving, but kind of a surprise, I think, to see that, but good for him. And I think that um, the, all of them are very deserving, obviously. I agree. I think that the biggest surprises I had were Milano not making it and Edmonds not making it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
Edmonds is very polarizing, but I think he's also having a great year. I think Matt Milano is maybe the cut above, but Tremaine, that's not to take away from Tremaine Edmonds and what he's been able to accomplish. None of the guys who made it, I was surprised made it. Like I think Allen and Diggs and Poyer were locks, mm-hmm. which Morris, I think caught me off guard, but that's not to say that he doesn't deserve it. I think Mitch Morris has been the bill's best offensive lineman this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I added it up yesterday with their, Four players that made it, and then all of their alternates, the Bills had 16 players. 12 alternates. 12. 12, Because they go like five, fifth alternate, fourth alternate, fifth alternate, things like that. And I understand that's ridiculous, but it is crazy to think that 16 players in a 53-man roster received some sort of recognition Pro Bowl-wise. And you'd have to imagine Vaughn would have been on the list, too. Vaughn would have made the Pro Bowl if he didn't get injured. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Would have, so, would have that too. so, I mean, they're getting a lot of love. I did think it was funny to kind of see some of the discourse of the Tua conversation happened yesterday on social media because oh, he's yeah. not named to the pro bowl, but he was <laughs> the leading vote getter for the pro bowl. And it's one of those things where I don't think it's, it's not a slight on Tua that he didn't make the pro bowl because he's having a really, really great season, like a much, much better season than I anticipated that he would have. But who is he going to beat on that roster? The AFC quarterbacks are so stacked compared to the NFC. You look at the AFC it's Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. And sorry, Dolphins fans, two is not better than any of those three players. No. And then even you have Herbert. Or more deserving. Yeah. And you have Herbert, who didn't make it, which is also a big snub, but he's not better than any of those three guys right now. Then you go to the NFC. Jalen Hurts might win the MVP this year. Really good player. But I still don't think better than Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow. And then the other guys are Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith. Mm. Just like look at the disparity. Good for Geno. Good, good for, for Geno. Good for him. hundred percent. Love it. Uh, like Love I hope that he, I hope that he gets a big contract somewhere. Yeah. I hope that he's had a really, really just like up and down career. Good for him. Remember when Geno Smith and the Bills was a thing for a little while? Remember when people thought Geno Smith was going to be the guy I wanted in that draft? That's the guy I wanted. Of course, it didn't turn out that way for his career, but the Bills were trending towards a quarterback. Buddy Nix came on WGR and said, my job is to get a franchise quarterback before they leave here. We kind of knew that was going to happen. I wanted Geno that year. I loved Geno coming out of West Virginia. The Bills obviously chose EJ Manuel. Didn't go so well. Didn't go great for Geno either, but that was the guy that I wanted. So yes, I do remember that. I can't believe we're going to go down this rabbit hole, but I think people will enjoy this. Okay. Who are the other top quarterbacks that? year. It was Geno well, Smith. It was EJ Manuel. It was there Ryan. Any. Ryan Nassib was Ryan the guy Nassib, linked to the Bills because of Marone. Syracuse and Marone. Uh, that was also Matt Barkley, right? That year? I believe that might be correct. Yes. This is Barkley could have come out 2013. Barkley could have come out the year before that and he didn't. He went back and it hurt him, I think, yes. was the situation there. I think that's what happened. By the way, real quick, while you're looking that up, we should mention Mitch Morse, as we talk today, is still in the concussion protocol. Yes. We're talking about him making the Pro Bowl. We don't know if he's going to play against Chicago. I don't even know if he can travel necessarily. I, I don't know that. I'm just, people have asked me, um, but we'll see. It's not trending well that he's missed two days. Hopefully he'll be okay. He has had concussions in his career. So, you know, hopefully that's something that's not, you know, more severe or long-term and they get him back sooner rather than later. And he advances through the protocol. Ryan Bates has been a full participant. I would expect him to go to center. They could use Greg Van Roten. The good news here is Ike Butker is back on the team as an active player. Um, They reactivated him, so they have extra depth on the offensive line. 2013 draft. All right. Tyler Bray. Where do you go to school? You remember? Mm, Coastal Carolina. Tennessee. 
Okay. EJ Manuel, Florida State. Florida State, yeah. Ryan Nassib, Syracuse. Matt Barkley, USC. Mike Glennon. Remember where Mike Glennon went to school? Yes, NC State. This is a person that I did not know existed. Zach Dysert. Yeah, Zach Dysert. He, uh, I remember him wearing a black uniform, maybe. Uh, Miami Oregon State, Miami, Miami, Ohio. Okay, my oh, okay, maybe not. Yeah, who am I? I'm confusing with somebody. I can't remember who. Geno Smith and Tyler Wilson. Mm. Tyler Wilson went to Arkansas. I remember the oh, yeah. big ones that were always linked to the Bills were Geno or Nassib, and then. At the end, it became manual, but it wasn't always that way. Right. That kind of emerged, I think, the day or two before the draft. Yeah, that was interesting, but good for Gino. He's getting to the, he's going to the Pro Bowl. Um, we'll have, obviously, you know, keep an eye on what happens with those guys that are alternates. And it's not a Pro Bowl game anymore. You know, they're doing like a skills competition and a flag football game of some sort. Honestly, that'll be more entertaining than actually watching the Pro Bowl. Right. Anyway, like that's right. it's so outdated. And can I just um, make sure everybody knows here? I want to say this first alternates, Deion Dawkins, Dawson Knox, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, second alternates, Roger Saffold and Tyler Bass. Third, Tyler Medikevich for special teams. Reed Ferguson is a long snapper. Reggie Gilliam, the fullback fourth alternate, Greg Russo and Ed Oliver. Fifth alternate is Saran Neal. So yeah, we're going five deep here with alternates uh, for the pro bowl. So congratulations to everybody who made that. All right, Matt, we got to get out of here. Enjoy the games. Merry Christmas to you, your lovely family, your wife. Um, you know, obviously I'm glad that you're going to be safe. I know that it kind of stinks. You wanted to go, but it is a good thing that we can all kind of, you know, make sure that we're doing what we need to do best for all of us in this situation. I appreciate that. You know, Merry Christmas to you and your family, to everybody listening. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing holiday season. Stay safe. I know that's going to be tough these next couple days with the weather that we're supposed to have. I hope this doesn't deter you from your plans, but just use caution wherever you got to go. Uh, My grandfather used to have this phrase that I think of all the time when you're in a hurry, slow down. So when you're (laughs) in a hurry this weekend and you're trying to get to where you got to go, just slow down. Everything will be okay. So happy holidays. and, And thank you all for listening and making us a part of your routine whenever you happen to download. And by the way, Download, like, subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.